0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to the show on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at WilliamsonNFL. Have some great guests for you today and the rest of the week we have... Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader, joining the show. Matt, you are good friends with him. You know him from way back in the podcasting world. And Thursday, Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans, hosting uh, the Titans podcast, the team that knocked off the Patriots, who we'll get into today a lot with Jay. Jay is a big Patriots guy. We'll talk Brady. We'll talk about some of the assistants in New England that are getting jobs elsewhere. Uh, first, Matt, I want to play you an audio clip. and. Okay. I don't know how into Larry David's work you are, but I did not know he was a huge sports fan. And he's a New York guy, a New York sports fan. Here is a clip of him on the Yes Network talking about his interaction with Jets GM Mike McCagnin. And he told him to draft a certain player in 2018. And apparently it's not the first time he's done that. I did call Mike McCagnin,
1: before the 2018 draft, and I, r- I recommended that he draft Lamar Jackson. I have a witness. Really? Yes, I have a witness. And what did part. he say to you when you said that?
0: He kind of gave me the most condescending. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you actually yeah, told him that? Yeah, I told him that. And he kind of la- he laughed at me, but who can blame him? Nobody thought uh, Jackson was going to be Except right. for the Ravens. The Ravens, Larry David, and Matt Williamson, they all knew Lamar Jackson was going <laughs> to be great. I love that story.
1: All champions to be, too. It's funny because I don't know if I've ever used a Seinfeld reference on this podcast, and I did yesterday by chance, and then this pops up today. New curbs are coming pretty soon. I'm a big Larry David fan. That's outstanding. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of documented proof from where I stand. I mean, Jackson was my favorite quarterback in that draft. I do also think it's kind of interesting, and let's not forget that – The Ravens, not only did they pass on him for Hayden Hurst, you know, if they loved them, loved them, they would not have taken a 26-year-old tight end over him, first of all. And they had to pick, I think, like three before that one. So they traded down, took Hayden Hurst, then traded back up for Lamar Jackson. So good for them. Great move. It's paying off monstrously. But I'm not sure they loved them quite as much as everybody tends to remember.
0: Right. And maybe if they were picking three, they would not have selected Lamar Jackson. I think that's pretty obvious. They had some other players that have sure. him on their board.
1: Right. They felt comfortable trading down. Then they felt comfortable taking a tight end. Then they took Jackson. And I also think it's interesting, too. Then they took Andrews a couple of picks later. And I can't believe that they had this great tight end plan in place because they didn't even have Jackson when they took the first one.
0: You know, they did one of the things that I like that teams are doing right now. We've seen the Packers do it at wide receiver, at corner. Uh, The the Ravens did it at tight end. If you really need a position, the draft is not at 100% hit rate. It's about 50%, especially for high picks. And worse
1: later, draft multiple
0: players at one position. Make sure you get it right.
1: Yeah, that is an approach that the Packers are kind of famous for. Um, They did it with defensive backs for a while that, hey, I'm, I'm tired of this being a cavernous hole on my roster. I'm going to attack it like crazy. Boom. And it gets fixed.
0: There was another story, and this goes back to 2005. Mike Tannenbaum was on that same show uh, talking about Larry David calling him up five days before the draft and telling him to draft Reggie Bush. So uh, imagine being a GM and <laughs> a week before the draft, you get a call from Larry David telling you who to take. I, I love that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I bet those things in sports happen more than you think. Like does Nicholson go to the Lakers and be like, "Why don't you trade for this guy?" You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like exactly. that kind of like, I'm gonna take Jack's call, but he doesn't know anything. You know, I mean, just a fan.
0: Okay, let's shift gears and bring on today's guest. Our guest today is Jay Soderberg. You might know him as Pod Vader, and I know Jay, you go way back with Matt to the early dark ages of podcasting on ESPN. So I don't know if you guys want to have like a secret handshake, a secret audio handshake here, (laughs) but I think we've got a lot of Patriots to get into. Some Patriots coaches might get poached or might not, according to some reports here. we got to talk Tom Brady and, of course, where the Pats are right now after being bumped out of the playoffs in week one. But, Jay, I appreciate you uh, joining the show, the executive producer of the Locked On Podcast Network now.
2: Yeah, You might say I might have forced my hand to get on the show, but I didn't. You invited me, which
0: was nice. You produced and, yourself right onto the show.
2: Right, right. And M-Dub, I have uh, just one
1: question for you. Yes, sir. Are you, are you fired up? Oh, I'm fired up. I'm Tom Brady fired up. Oh! <laughs> I pulled out an Adam and Eve on the raft the other day, and I think half the listening audience like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> Well, it is so pod, talk- real quick. Yeah, for those that we have a lot of new listeners obviously, and since whenever I started the show way back when, and when I started the show, I basically came straight from ESPN and you know, we, I I do want to go down memory lane with you pod, but in the meantime, you've been a new addition to the Locked On Network. Can you tell some of our folks what you're doing now for us? It's been very helpful. Yeah, well, uh,
2: my title is executive producer, and so I'm the guy in the background listening to all of the podcasts and sending a nice little reviews to all of our hosts on things that um, they can tidy up and make a little bit better, also sharing some of the ideas and some of the things that we worked on back in the day that we knew were successful and will resonate with a listening audience. And, um getting some of the hosts to start doing some of those same things. Uh, also reaching out and bringing in new hosts to do our college uh, sports channel, uh, which, you know, right now we have almost the entire SEC, half of the Big Ten, and we're looking for more people. So if you love college sports and you think you can podcast, uh, you can reach out to me uh, Very cool. I'll talk to you.
1: Very cool. Did you have any contacts on the Lockdown Network that helped you get in? Um, there might have been one. <laughs> it's, it's good to have M dub. Yeah. <laughs>
0: is it a good sign that I haven't heard from you about the locked on NFL show or about the Lockdown 49ers show, or is there just too many notes that it's taken you a while to get to us?
2: Uh well and, an essay is coming. If you haven't received a review yet, you probably will. And um and for you guys on this particular show, I've already talked to you like one-on-one directly so i didn't i didn't feel it was necessary to actually give you a written review but uh if you want one i'll give you one
0: the, the, that's, right. that's on. yeah
2: most most of the hosts really love them when when they get them too <laughs> i'm looking forward to it and and by the
0: way this program as is locked on 49ers and 11 other we've got 13 shows right now on the itunes top 100 so a big shout out to all the listeners out there something's working something's top 200 working. 200, 200. Yes, exactly. Top two
2: hundred. Yes. It'll, they'll be. It'll be this year that we have
1: thirteen shows
2: in the top one hundred. But right now, we're only in the top two
1: hundred. We'll get there. We'll is get it there. surprising you how fast the network's growing, Pod? I mean, just with all your past experience, and obviously, this is much different than your ESPN duties. There's so many different podcasts, but the network seems to be booming. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I
2: think it was the natural evolution of where sports podcasting was going to go. I mean, we started. You know, we start when we first started, I know, and MW, you can attest, the first show was called first in 15. So we we're only going to do 15 minutes on every single NFL news story of the day. We quickly discovered 15 minutes was not enough. Uh, and then we grew and we covered the NFL and, and David Locke took it that one step further and went, well, if everybody's doing a national show. Why is no one doing like a niche show covering just one team. And uh, I think that's really the the genius behind what's happening here at locked on and what we can take advantage of doing a show like this locked on NFL and gathering all of those minds from those local shows uh, to really bring you guys
1: the football content you deserve. It's funny. There's no podcasting historian or hall of fame or anything like that. You should write a book about you know, the history of sports podcasting someday, but I believe That's this true. and, you, you know, way better than I do, but I believe deep down in my soul that if ESPN, let's be honest, if ESPN was smart, football today would now and have always been the biggest football podcast in the entire world.
2: Yeah. It, well because it was for it was, for a yeah. long time.
1: We uh, owned the market. Yes,
2: it, it was. It was football today. It was the fantasy focus, and it was Bill yeah. Simmons, and yeah. those were the three not only biggest podcasts in sports, but they were the biggest podcasts in the podcasting realm. And then more competition came in, and other shows, you know, started. What I think is really funny. And Dave has been very humble about this. Is uh, you know the New York Times talking about the Daily and the explosion of quote unquote daily podcasts. D- Dave's been doing this for way longer than the New York Times. So yeah, right, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, a big shout out to David Locke for starting up this network and uh, great things are happening and the growth is insane and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. So happy to be on board with you guys. Jay, welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network Club, although it's been a little while, but officially on air, we can welcome you here. More with Pod Vader coming up. Let's talk Tom Brady's future and some of those coaches that are getting jobs and potentially getting jobs elsewhere in the NFL.
1: Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, They work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online. Ships straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA. And Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free. All you're paying is $5 shipping and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. Promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com promo code locked on to try it free. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast.
0: Matt, a minute ago you mentioned you were Tom Brady fired up. Jay, is Tom Brady even still Fired up. He said he still has some things that he wants to do in the NFL, but he didn't say he's not retiring either. What's going on there? What do you see his future in the NFL
2: and with the Patriots? You know, what's been driving me crazy about the narrative surrounding Tom Brady this season is that Tom Brady is done. He's hit the magical age. The cliff has finally arrived. Tom Brady's fallen off the cliff uh, and he's on his way. To hitting the ground and quite honestly that's not the truth Tom Brady was still his great self this particular season the problem were the weapons that surrounded him were not anywhere near the caliber of what he is used to having around him this is quite possibly the worst Patriot team Tom Brady from an offensive standpoint has ever been on uh, in his 20 years. Uh, that's how bad the the talent was around him. And a lot of that wasn't even necessarily the Patriots' fault. Some of it was the retirement of Gronk. They never brought in a, a suitable replacement for him. And then the injuries that occurred on the offensive line and their fullback really hurt what the Patriots do from an offensive perspective.
1: There's a lot of Patriots stuff I want to ask you about, but... BP, you're going to love this. Please tell our audience pod about your ridiculous Patriots vehicle and where what how's oh, yeah. it going right now? Is it still around? Uh, so uh,
2: back in the day at the Four Letter Network, the fans uh, used to send us gifts all the time. And there was one that worked for fathead and sent us uh, car decals for our favorite teams. And of course mine being the Patriots. And I had this old 1998 Chevy Cavalier uh, and, and it was of course Patriot Navy blue and uh, it was old and they had a lot of rust spots. And I was like, Oh, look at these decals. I can use these to cover the rust
1: spots up. Uh, I didn't know that part.
2: And, uh, and so I decked out my car with, with the fathead stickers and then ESPN, the magazine decided they were doing a campaign on, you know, what it was like to work at ESPN. This is what it was like. And they saw my car and they said, Hey, can we take that, you know, and kick it up a notch? I said, sure. (laughs) And and so the car got (laughs) featured, the car got featured in an ESPN ad um, which they souped up with even more stickers and and more stuff that I had to take off because you couldn't legally drive it with all the stuff that was on it. <laughs> um, and I had that. And I had that for a number of years, and people would, you know, people around the town that I live in uh, knew who I was because I could see the car. And uh, unfortunately, it was about four years ago or so the transmission finally oh, no. cracked, a, cracked a leak, and it was just more expensive. Uh, it, it just made more sense to go get a new car than to repair the transmission. And so uh, the Make A Wish Foundation got a
1: donation. So, Brian, it used to be parked in like the ESPN, pub, you know, the public <laughs> lots and all that. And it's, you know, pretty crazy. It's good stuff. There's a picture of it on my Twitter profile at The Real Pod Vader. Okay, okay good. I was
0: wondering if there's a photo. I think we need to tweet it out with this podcast. Jay, I'm really upset. I'm a 49ers guy. You're a Patriots guy. I really wanted to see. The Jimmy Garoppolo versus Tom Brady Super Bowl. And I'm bummed that we are not going to get to see that. What are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo, where he's at in his career, what you know of him from his time in the Patriots? Do you think he's the guy that can take a team and, and win well, a ring himself on the field?
2: I would say not only are you and I upset, but I think, um, you know, if you believe everything that's written, there's a certain head coach in New England that's upset that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer. With the New England oh, Patriots, uh, but um, I mean, I I think Jimmy is is perfect. He he fits the Forty Nine er system well. I think he's just going to improve from here. Um, I, you know, he got a lot of you know, on on my own. You know, talk, talking with different fans. Uh, A lot of people wanted to you know, put him down as not being an elite quarterback. And I probably, to be fair, couldn't label him as an elite quarterback. But he's definitely very good. If we're going to put him in tiers, I would definitely say he's at the top of the second tier um, and probably ready to move into that first tier. He's still pretty
1: young. I think there's still more to come from Jimmy Garoppolo. Back to the Patriots quarterback situation, I'm with you. I don't think Brady... Fell off a Peyton Manning-like cliff. I think it's a gradual decline. I don't think he likes getting hit as much as he used to. And I absolutely think his weapons are – their supporting cast and situation is the worst it's been. I don't know if you know this, but I threw this out yesterday. Every time this year the Patriots allowed 17 points or more, they lost. Mm -hmm. That's rough, man. Yeah, that's the offense not getting the
2: job done. And I think a lot of that is with the offensive line problems. They were on their second and sometimes third center. Huge uh, problem that, that which, people don't talk about enough, right? And, and and everyone knows to get to Brady, you get him up the middle. Uh so that was that was a big downer and it wasn't just Rob Gronkowski the wide receiver it was Rob Gronkowski the blocker Uh, so he was able to make a couple of those blocks either on a wham on the inside to help bust open holes for the running backs to get through or help out on the outside where Marcus Cannon I don't know where this narrative came that Marcus Cannon is a great right tackle he's not he's not very good at all and it was proven this season that he was not very good uh you know not having a a suitable tight end to help out on that right side really made the pocket collapse much quicker moving brady off the spot we all know that's how you get him and then the next problem was they never found an outside wide receiver that they could keep on the team i was never i was never on board With the Josh Gordon signing, I was like, okay, if he happens to survive through a season, that'll be great, but we can't rely on him. The Antonio Brown thing i actually said, I will stop rooting for this team if they continue to win with Antonio Brown, I never was a fan of that particular signing, but that was exactly the type of wide receiver they needed that they never sure. got this season. They never had a guy who could take the top off. And if everybody's down to cover that dink and dunk and the screen passes and the underneath stuff,
1: the offense just couldn't get moving. There's two things you touched on there. I want to elaborate on is not only do they go through centers, and, yeah, you get worse than up the middle, of course. You know, The execution is not going to be as good. But it's so important in that particular offense that everyone is on the same page, the experience factor. You can go back to the, the Rolodex and remember when we did this back in 2012 and let's adjust our protection accordingly. You didn't have that stabilizing guy. Um, I want to talk tight end and Gronkowski in a second too, but I also think – the loss of Devlin was big, too. I yes. mean, that's another one that is easy to overlook. But where I wanted to go with Gronk is, even last year when he was a shell of Gronk, you still had to respect him. He still was so good in both phases, like you mentioned, that there's ne- when he was on the field, there was never a correct answer for the Patriots' offense. They could either split him out wide if you wanted to go big or bring him in if you're going to go small and smash you. And for those reasons I think Gronk is clearly the second best and certainly the second most important patriot of this era and I also think to even take it a step further Pod he might be the best football player of this era in the entire NFL.
2: Uh you're not going to get an argument out of me. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to make that argument. Uh I agree with you. and I think he's
1: harder to defend than Odell Beckham or Julio Jones or AB or any of those guys. If you want to take it a step further, uh, you can even link Gronk up
2: with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's last season, he was, as you mentioned, he had fallen off that cliff and was actually benched for Brock Osweiler for a time. And there was that game against the Chargers where the Chargers were killing Osweiler. They bench Osweiler and Manning comes in and he has success not because of his talent, but just because he's Peyton Manning. And the Chargers completely changed how they had to defend just because they were like, well, Peyton has done this in the past. He might do this, and he was able to work on that and, and have success in that game. Same thing with Gronk.
0: I really want to get your inside information on Patriots' assistants. Joe Judge, one of them, already got a job. And what's going on with Josh McDaniels? Are teams shying away from him? Is he the candidate that his resume would lead you to believe he should be for some teams? All of that coming up. To wrap up the Tom Brady stuff really quick here, Jay, in a word or three, what team, if any, does Tom Brady play on in 2020
2: that's the that's the million dollar question or the 30 million dollar question to be more precise uh i don't know i don't think it's the patriots and the biggest reason why i think his time is done with new england is the number of holes the patriots have to fill beyond quarterback the patriots are not in a good spot cap wise with only It looks like they're going to have about 46 million in cap space going into next season. They have 19 free agents this particular year, uh, and some of them are key guys like Devin McCourty, Kyle Van Noy, Matthew Slater, Jamie Collins. Uh, I would throw Danny Shelton in there. Joe Tooney, who was a second-team All-Pro this year on the offensive line, Um, they've got a lot of holes, if they let all of those guys go just because they're going to re-sign Brady, I can tell you the guys that are behind those guys I just mentioned aren't any better than they are, and that's why you can re-sign Brady, but you're going to do worse than 12
1: and 4. They also have a lot of age that aren't free agents. Yes, that's also true. Hey, I got one last question for you in that it's, it's getting to be Hall of Fame season, a guy I've pushed for over the years that I don't think will ever get in, but is finally a finalist, is Richard Seymour. Do you think he has a shot, or would you vote him in? I know you're very, very biased. Uh, yeah,
2: you know I'm very biased, but you also know that I am not the Richard Seymour fan. I don't think Richard Seymour is a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Very Gooder. Um, and, and I know you and our former colleague
1: both highly – disagree with me on that particular point i do that think point, uh, ross tucker used to say that seymour and ray lewis were the hardest people he ever had to try to block
2: yes uh 100 yeah, 100%. yeah. And, and i would just say i do think he will get in this year because if you look at the candidates, the candidates year. this year are
0: not very good no it's not unless there's really good players who are not in the hall of fame then the hall of fame isn't as prestigious it's not as exclusive How good the Hall of Fame is is where the line is drawn to who can get in and who can't, and I think the NFL lets too many people in, and I think just about everybody gets into the NFL Hall, and the guys that are just outside of that line are just as good as some of the guys that are in there, and it's like, to me, if you have to think about it, then you're not a Hall of Famer, and so I think the Hall of Fame should be much smaller but that doesn't really help uh the league you know advertise their brand if they're not talking about as many players so i'm out on the point
2: the nfl 100 are putting in 25 guys who never made it on their you know during their eligibility time to be in the hall of fame Mm -hmm. uh, who they feel still deserve to be in the hall of fame
0: yeah jay we got to talk coaches here um What is a Joe Judge, and should the New York Giants fans out there be excited that he is their new
2: head coach? It's hard to be excited about a special teams coach, Um, but that's also part of the narrative that really drives me crazy. Joe Judge has been the special teams coach for the Patriots for a number of years now, and this past year also took on the responsibilities of wide receivers coach, and we just mentioned wide receivers had trouble in this particular season. So that wouldn't excite me too much. However, the special teams for the Patriots had almost a record breaking year, I think. Um, so I would, I would, I would, I don't know if I can say I'm excited. I can say that uh, there have been talks about Joe judge being groomed for a head coaching role for a number of years now uh, coming uh, from Mike Reese in particular. He's a, uh, reporter that I respect tremendously out of the New England Patriots. Um, So I I get it that why, why the Giants fans might think we got this guy that nobody knows about, but I think you're going to be fine. He's a, he's a disciplinarian type coach, which is probably what that team needs.
1: And uh, we'll see what type of staff they put around him. I will say no coach in the league with maybe the exception of Harbaugh, values special teams more than Belichick. And for him to put a young coach in charge of that phase says a lot about the about Judge.
0: And what does it say about Josh McDaniels that he was completely surpassed by the Giants for this job? They went straight to Judge, didn't even interview Josh McDaniels. McDaniels' resume as an offensive coordinator is phenomenal. You would think he's the number one candidate on just every team's list that needs a coach. You know, Bell Belichick, coaching tree, But some red flags and he stumbled as a head coach in Denver and worse than that, backing out of that Colts job, the Giants went straight to a coach underneath him, the special teams coordinator instead of the offensive coordinator. What do you make of Josh McDaniels as a head coach candidate?
2: Well, you you've mentioned one of the three things that are working against McDaniels, and that's backing out of the Colts' job the way that he did. The second thing is, if you believe everything that's read, he probably does have a handshake agreement to become the head coach of the New England Patriots when Belichick decides Mm -hmm. everything is all done. And then the third thing that he has going against him is many have him penciled in for the Cleveland Browns job right now. So a lot... It's still a wait and see where Josh McDaniels really ends up being. I think
1: McDaniels is still the offensive coordinator next season. I gotta say, one thing I've mentioned on my Steelers show is, from an AFC North perspective, it wouldn't scare the heck out of me if the Browns gave McDaniels all the power. I'm like, okay, that doesn't—that's not that scary to me.
2: Well. um, I do think there's a lot of talent in Cleveland that needs to be molded in the right fashion. I think, you know, how much respect McDaniels could get by walking in and flashing the rings. Um, it probably doesn't work that way anymore. Um, so it, a lot will take. A lot will a lot will be determined by who McDaniels ends up having on his staff as well. I know Chad O'Shea, uh, the former offensive coordinator in Miami, is out there, and he obviously has links to all of these Patriot coaches. And my guess is he's going to end up on the staff of one of these guys.
1: I do think he'd be great for Baker, though.
2: McDaniels, of course, yeah. There's no way. There's no way he couldn't be yeah. great for Baker unless Baker is his own worst enemy, which. Could be. He never know. Be. Maybe, maybe.
0: That is Jay Soderbergh. You can find him on Twitter at The Real Pod Vader, executive producer of the Locked On Podcast Network, helping us out a great deal here on the network. We're glad to have you, Jay, as part of the network, and thanks for joining the show
2: today. Thanks for having me. Did you go over 30 minutes? Because uh, I'm going to have to tick you off for that one.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. We've got plenty. Oh we no, got plenty of time to spare. He's just sitting here collecting notes. To, he's jotting down things. We're going to be getting an email soon. W- were my teases oh, oh. okay? <laughs>
0: your, your teases were great.
1: All right. Awesome. Were fen- phenomenal. If Williamson interrupted too much, though, as usual. Yeah.
0: Well, Williamson <laughs> always talks a little too much. That's the feedback I've gotten from the
2: <laughs> Probably spent too much time on the ESPN stuff, yeah.
0: Not enough are we allowed to even mention those letters yeah we are can we afford the rights yeah i think we're good there all right cool jay thank you so much man talk to you soon thanks guys